Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Equipped to Be Show with Connie Albers. Equipped to Be is a podcast dedicated to helping you discover and develop your unique strengths, gifts, and talents so you can apply them to all areas of life. So let's get ready to dive into how you are equipped to be. You know, Michelle, it is it is certainly crazy, and you're hearing a lot uh, being in the office of the uh, the various components that kids are wrestling with. And, and you and I both know that these children are soaking up the news. They feel the tension from their parents. Uh, because this is a socially connected generation, they know news oftentimes before we do. And it's in a very different, it's, you know, basically told in a very different way. And why I wanted you on today was uh, to basically share with some of these parents what they might be expecting as, you know, the kids are now home 24-7. They can't run around like they used to. You're not as busy running them to events. You're not going to events. What what could you tell uh, us about what we need to do to help these parents build relationships during this time, but understand what these kids are hearing and feeling and then how they can respond to it. I know that was a long-winded thing, but what can parents expect and how can they deal with it? So I'm going to start with the first part of that. I think the first thing is for us to realize that depending, I mean, we've got such a, probably you have a very big variety of listeners. And so depending on the age of the child, how much information is going to them, But also my concern is how much are parents listening in the home, talking in the home, that kind of thing. For example, I have a nine-year-old, and the other night he came down, he couldn't sleep, and he said, Mom, I just, I don't think I want to hear the word coronavirus anymore. And this was at a time very early on in this process. We were not at the stage we are now in the United States, but I was actually looking at traveling with my daughter to New York and Europe. And he was just super concerned. He uh, he has lost an aunt and an uncle, and they have left behind three children. And that, of course, is in the age he's in, six to ten years old, that is the child's very worst fear is to, to lose that a parent would die, to lose the life of a parent. And so it's been really hard on him. And I just told him, I told my husband, we're going to call it COVID from now on. I don't think he knows what that is yet, <laughs> and we'll just use that term, and maybe we'll get away with it. But I think one thing, like, I've got with so many different crises, like starting even before 9-11 in the school setting. And the first thing we do want to do is we want to have conversation, but we don't want the topic to overcome our lives. And so I think there needs to be containment of that conversation and that focus. And then we as parents are going to be role models. So if we aren't comfortable with what's going on and we're not modeling, adjusting well, it's going to increase the anxiety in our parent in, in our kids. Um, there's a book called Anxious Parents, Anxious Kids. And the reason for that is that our children will absorb their little emotional sponges and mirrors both. And so they will absorb a lot of what we see and what we feel and what we hear. And so it's just super important that um, we are doing a good job showing a really difficult life skill, but it's super important. It's flexibility is one. And that's the ability to adapt to new circumstances. Um, I think about Sissy Goff and Dave Thomas's work in Are My Kids on Track? And then perspective. 
the idea that we want to we want to be careful of our perspective. I, I very humorously posted today on Facebook. You know, our grandparents in their season of life were called to war. I think we can sit on a couch and watch Netflix <laughs> and survive this. But it is interesting because then our grandparents have a different perspective of this threat than we do. And then age ranges, people with babies and who are elderly, my parents, my dad's like, I'm sad to inform you, but I'm now in that category. You know, Um, they have a different perspective than we do as a family, because if any of us get it, we're, you know, we're a family of age range from nine to about 49 Mm -hmm. and none of us have immune comfort compromised issues. So we're at very low risk in that situation. And and I do think that's helpful. I think we need to communicate first of all to our kids um, to, to give them room for their emotions to process it. And they're going to process it very differently depending on their age. So, um, you know, those younger kids are going to be very concrete and they're going to think more black and white, but we need to give them permission to be scared, but not to be terrified. Does that make sense on that emotional perspective? Yes. Uh, Actually, I just wanted to kind of recap what you said. I thought there were some great nuggets there. Uh, Consider the age of the child. Uh, Every child has a different uh, maturity level and a sensitivity level. Uh, Be careful that the conversations do not dominate your life. I don't know about you, Michelle, but that's very easy for us to become hyper-focused on Uh, the coronavirus that we forget there's more to life like laughter and humor and uh, cleaning that isn't always, you know, with germicides, you know, just basic cleaning. Uh, We forget about that. We also forget sometimes that uh, we just kind of want to just talk about, I don't, nonsensical things. The other thing you talked about is to remember to be a role model. I often say, and I wrote that down, uh, the book you recommended, Anxious Parents, Anxious Kids. You know, my children are all adults, and as they they could all tell you exactly where they were when 9-11 happened. And they knew, they could tell you the conversations we had and how we responded to it. And I say to younger parents, and it sounds like that's what you are recommending, be mindful, monitor your mouth, and listen to what they have to say. And if they are scared like your son was, let them talk about it. Don't marginalize it. Don't blow it off. Certainly don't, you know, make fun of them for being scared or afraid. But I'm kind of hearing you say affirm them in where they are and then gently guide them to where they need to go. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, and let me, I love to give parents some scripts and some words to use. Uh So something that you could say to a nine-year-old is, I understand that you're worried. And it makes sense that you're hearing these things in the news or you're hearing people talk and you're concerned about this. But I want to, first of all, say you're not in a high-risk category. Neither are we. So we want to provide good information. And also that, that because kids need to know they're safe. Mm -hmm. That's what that child is thinking of. So really becoming aware that child who worries to let them know they're safe. And the other thing they need to know is that you're not fragile and you've got them. And then from a faith-based perspective that God's got them and helping them learn to trust in God through this time period. We very much have seen this as a time to redeem the time. 
Um, my daughter and I are both extroverts and we live kind of that little house on the freeway. I'm in that stage where I'm driving carpool <laughs> and driving around a whole lot. And so with that, I, you know, it's funny, my, my, my husband's like, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to us because um, I'm cleaning out my office so I can do telehealth. If, if you flip it around the other way, you would be scared. But I posted on Instagram today a picture of my telehealth office. I'm looking at just tubs and stacks of books on the other side of it. But this side looks pretty relaxing because we don't want to overwhelm our clients with the background. But also my daughter, who's also a huge extrovert, is also kind of grounded. In fact, she was like, I need to get back to my life. You know, she's having a really hard time with the social distancing. But she cleaned out her whole closet today. My husband's like, this is a total win, if you ask me. Um, because he does not like that level of clutter that she and I and chaos that we bring into a house because we're rarely home. Um, and so it's been interesting to see how we can redeem this time to maybe, I worked with a client today on just, you know, she hadn't gotten around to her closet in a long time. She doesn't like going into it. It creates a lot of anxiety for her. And as I've worked with Dana White, a mutual friend of ours, on some information for clutter for people with anxiety and ADHD, you know, she and I came up with a game plan for her to work on that a little bit. Not to work on that. Well, let me say this. If you are the parent who loves that, do not make the kids do that 12 hours a day. Please. <laughs> you, you know, don't do that to them. They, you will probably, mine were picketing me last night in costume because they thought that my structure was a little over the top. I heard comments like, gosh, sometimes I wish mom didn't have the job she does. But <laughs> at the same time, I think it's good that, you know, schools provide structure for children. And until these e-schools are up and running, which be ready, they're getting ready to do that. I've talked to several school districts that I consult with in Texas and private schools, and they will be up and running on e-learning on Monday. Mm. So our kids will gain some new structure but at the same time, until it's there, I think we as parents are responsible to try to provide it as much as we can for them. You know, Not rigid structure, but just some kind of purpose. Well, I mean, all of us are have a schedule of some sorts. I mean, there, there are very few people who can absolutely do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. I mean, you can't get in your car and drive however you want, or... You can go however you want. You can go 15 different ways to get there. But structure is really important, even if it's simple things like we're going to get up at a certain time and we're going to, I don't, you know, your family may not care if you get dressed or if you stay in your pajamas. That's that's a family issue. But one thing that I I know is so important is that we we do what fits and what works for our family. And we have to be careful, and I'd love your opinion on this, what what kids are seeing on social media and, and even what we see on social media, what our friends are posting, what, what our kids' friends are posting, that tells a story, and what is that storytelling to, say, the other moms – because we have a, you know, we have a, we do have a responsibility. Uh, it doesn't mean we can't rejoice with others and or mourn with others. But I think in where we are right now, how we have this discussion and how what we post has a very big impact on the reader or the listener. Like the memes you posted were were really funny. I think we still have to have a sense of humor and levity. I mean. <laughs> Laughter is good for the soul. God says that. So when you're when you're thinking about kids and social media, would you are you advising parents to kind of 
let their kids have more time because they are socially cut off from their friends? Or what, how, what do you advise with that? All right. I never thought I'd be saying this to my child, but <laughs> I out. do think <laughs> my extroverted child, but in this scenario, I would encourage instead of social media, virtual social interaction. And I think there's a difference between the two. So like my daughter has a Marco Polo group where they shoot videos of talking to each other and they can watch them whenever they want, kind of like you and I do on Voxer. Mm -hmm. And then FaceTime is another way to create a lot of connection. It's not much different than what I'm doing with telehealth, mental health counseling. Um, So I am encouraging her, you know, when she says things like, I need my life back, I'm like, go, go Marco (laughs) Polo, your friend, go get on FaceTime with somebody. Because we have limited our kids at this point, and everybody's going to make different decisions about this. We're not fully quarantined, but each child has one child that we were already exposed to before things escalated, Uh and that is the one child they can interact with physically. And those families are keeping us as the only family, too. So we're kind of stopping that contagion. So while we're not completely isolated, we are limiting. Like if we haven't been exposed that's kind of a funny thing to say, but, um, you know, if we haven't connected with those people during this time, then we have kind of tried not to do that because I think the headmaster of the school was ready to call me and say, cause they, you know, if you guys have a party of seventh graders at your house, why did we cancel school? <laughs> like what is the benefit of, <laughs> of limiting child exposure? If we're all going to the park together and everybody's at the Niedert household hanging out. Well, we have set some hard limits to that, and it's it's been tough to tell my kids no in that area because I know how important social interaction is. Well, and that's the fine balance that we're faced with right now. We've we've never lived through a go a global pandemic before. I mean. I don't think, well, I certainly wasn't around in 1918 when the Spanish flu was coming through. And I don't think any of my listeners are either. So, you know, we don't have a necessarily a really good point of reference. And since, you know, social media has really taken over and dominated our lives, many of our young people feel connected to their friends via social media. A lot of millennials, they they do everything but, you know, but meet up. They do meet up, but They connect in a variety of ways. I think that it's important that parents monitor it because a child could easily slip in in a slippery slope, get into things they shouldn't be getting into, or maybe start to get a little depressed by all the negativity and the fear and the fear mongering. I'm not saying that the coronavirus isn't serious. It certainly is serious and it's highly, highly contagious, but We do have to watch that our children don't get caught into that fear. Uh, You were talking about your son in ages uh, 6 through 10. Their greatest fear is losing a parent. There are other fears that our children experience as well. And how how do you recommend and what do you tell your clients uh, to do to kind of keep their thumb on the pulse of, of what they're doing socially and, you know, how they're feeling internally? I think it's really important to have conversations and debriefing, so to speak. We do that as crisis counselors. You know, we I say all the time, trauma is going to change your outlook. And it's going to change our children's outlook that they have had this experience. It changes how you view yourself. 
because how well we cope, how we manage things, how, how we experience frustration during that time, all of that's going to change the way we view ourselves. It's going to change the way we view our world. A lot of kids saw the world as pretty safe and never really had any thoughts about that. And all of a sudden, they're going to have some different worldviews in this process. And then it can change how we view God. And there are, are questions that will come up with that with kids that I think we want to be having positive discussions about, like, how do you think God is involved in this situation? Where do you see him at work? And and I really encourage them when it comes to social media and things like that is to, you know, just like the rest of us, we need to be wise what we're doing and and how we're interacting in that. I think it could be a super, I've seen social media as an incredibly positive thing in my life, but I'm a high extrovert and I'm going to follow people I want to aspire to be like because of the life choices they've made, or I'm going to aspire, I'm going to connect with people who have knowledge, or I'm going to be a friend and support. And I've even been thinking about like, how can I get back on social media during this time? Like I resurrected my intentional summer project, Facebook group to call it the intentional pandemic project, Facebook <laughs> group for us to take some time during this time when we're at home and our kids don't have, they're not over scheduled like they often are to, to spend that time, whether we want to spend it discipling our kids, whether we want to teach them, I call it life skills, like, you know, chores and, and cooking and different things like that we can work with them on, or whether we want to use this time to just Maybe we've been really busy and we haven't been emotionally connected to our kids and to spend a little more time connecting to them, listening to them. You know, sometimes it's hard because my kids, while I've been working, like my daughter's been busy writing songs, creating parodies. And the minute I get home, she wants to want me to watch them. And I'm kind of talked out, worked out, feedbacked out after a long day in the counseling office. So sometimes I have to say, I want to see this and what you're doing is important. I love it. And I love that you're using your time this way while you're out, but I need a short break or I'm not going to be a good, I'm not going to be a good audience for you at this very moment. And that's hard to do because, you know, please, please, please. And I'm just like, no, no, no. And so we're going to have moments like that. I I think the other thing that we have to be aware of and we really want to watch too is like kids, if your home is not a pleasant place, I, I've been telling people to stay in your rooms. Don't don't spend too much time interacting if you've got some real negativity going on, because that's super hard. And I dealt with that again today a little bit. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think it is important that we view this time, even though we are stuck inside these four walls, as that song so famously um, sung. You may be stuck inside these four walls. Um, something you just said kind of resonated with me in a sense of there are a lot of families that there is a toxic environment. You have the one one or the other, if you're married, like one spouse is everything is just a hoax and fake and overblown and they just kind of mock and make fun of or marginalize every every bit of it. But you may have the other spouse who's who is actually very concerned about it and trying to do what is asked of them. And the children pick up on that as well. Or when the child tries to express something, you have one parent, you know, saying, oh, that's so dumb. Don't be like that. Don't be a baby. It's not a big deal. Just go wash your hands. That has a huge impact on the child's, child's emotional well-being. What, what do you say to a parent who has, 
uh, to a family, whoever's listening, mom or dad, that maybe the opposite sex is they're not on the same page. And how would you speak to that parent who is trying to thwart off the negativity of another um, person living in the house? Well, I think this is something our country's just struggling with this topic altogether. How do we agree to disagree? Well, my sister wrote a Bible study on that. And I think that's so important. And she rehearsed was on first Corinthians, but you know, agreeing to disagree. Well, what a great chance to model that, you know, and and we have had that in our house. I have told the kids, you know, I was shocked when I come around the corner and here I'm planning for telehealth and there are four girls sitting on my driveway. And I'm (laughs) like, what? You know, so my husband has been home, you know, daddy, can I have so-and-so? Yeah, they can bring up whatever. And he's busy. He's working. I, I don't fault that, but he does have a different attitude. I, I'm choosing not to go a lot of public places unless I have a need to, mm-hmm. whereas he is taking a much more relaxed view of that. He's like, we haven't been instructed to take it to that point. Um, you know, so we're kind of in a different place with that. But I think that's where, you know, when he's with the kids, they ha- it's hard sometimes because I think he's exposing my kids and they're right. going to expose me. But they can make their own choices, and then I can make my own choices. And I think this is a great time as a couple therapist I would speak to, um, not control, but accepting influence of the other person and respecting the fact that they have a different opinion. And then trying to find some compromise in that. And if not, maybe dad's in charge one day and everybody's super cautious and mom's in charge the next day. And I know dad wouldn't like this because it doesn't really work scientifically, but you know, they're, they're a little more relaxed. Um, uh, divorced parents have to co-parent like that. They have to trust the other parent or they have to get over it Yeah. Um, because they can't control the other parent when the children are with that. And that's going on now too. Children of divorce who are moving back and forth between two different homes with two different styles. Um, as I deal with some high conflict divorce situations, we had a big argument when that school said they were extending spring break, who had possession of the kids and got them for that parenting time because one parent's given spring break and if this is an extension or, you know, really and truly, do we go back to a regular schedule? Mm. What do we do there? And, and I tried to help the parents see, you know what, you've got this extra time with your kids. Be grateful. Maybe split it down the middle. If not, luckily our, in our area, the court kind of chimed in on that. But I, I just want to normalize that people, your kids are going to deal with this situation so differently. One of my children is concerned about the virus spreading And one of my children is concerned because she thrives on theater and socialization and school performance and so many things like that. And her entire world has been shut down. Um, She had just been cast in the lead in two plays. And those plays may or may may not happen at this point. So you may be working with kids and dealing with disappointment. And and I'm working on counseling and coaching and just interacting with moms of these 9-11 babies who are seniors this year. Those kids are struggling with a tremendous amount of disappointment. They are looking at senior service tr- projects being canceled. They're looking at their proms not happening. And those moms are reaching out to me saying, what do I say to my kids that are just going to lose out on all this? And then some of them are like, and before I can talk to them, I'm so upset about these missed opportunities myself. How do I work through that myself before I even interact with them about that? Right. I would imagine at the conclusion of your time, because I know we're going to wrap up our time here out of, out of respect for you and the fact that you've carved out this time, 
Michelle, as you kind of wrap up your time with your clients and even our time and you know what we've talked about, give us a couple like just really rich nuggets and to help parents kind of walk away and, and chew on for a bit of how they can walk through this and how they can reassure their children that, yes, it's difficult now, but it's going to be okay. Do you have any scripts that you uh, commonly use? So I train my counselors in a type of counseling called solution-focused pastoral counseling. And in that, one of the main objectives is to provide hope for the client. And from a faith-based perspective, to bring the hope that God has of eternity, whatever their struggle is. And so I think that is super important. Um, One of my friends, Glennis Nellis, wrote this cute little children's book called Little Mole Holds On to Hope. And I think we want to teach our kids to hold on to hope, to really like minimize, not minimize and dismiss the situation, but this is not going to last forever. Mm. There will be summer, you know, it is a coming and you will go to school again, whether you are excited or not about that (laughs) idea and all those types of things like life. This is not a permanent edict. This is a temporary struggle. And we want to help our kids learn to struggle well through difficult seasons because they're going to experience those in their lives. We all have who have passed 40 years old, for sure, had those moments, no matter how successful we've been and no matter how healthy we've been. Also, I would say, you know, we're back at the serenity prayer, and it is so important that we think about this and we model this for our kids. We need to be focused on what we can control. We can control how we treat each other in the household. We can control how productive we are, or maybe we use this for some downtime and some rest and just some family fun. You know, we've been playing games and we're talking about heating our swimming pool, um, even though I don't know if I want to see that bill later, but just how can we create some really great memories. So the kids don't just think about the fear when they think about COVID-19, but they also think about, oh my gosh, we just kind of like with the snow, we were stuck in the house together and we did all these really fun things. So if you are the parent who is good with structure, but you're not great with fun, find some people who are and follow them on social media and copy them. (laughs) And and find some fun things to do that they're doing that are reasonable and, and, and enjoy that time with your kids. Watch fun movies together. Now, I do not recommend, I, I think some people in my family did this, but like, I don't think we need to show our kids outbreak. And there's this other show called The Ship, which is all about like literally contagion throughout the country. <laughs> I, I mean, if your kids are older and maybe that can um, kind of like launch you into some positive discussion about coping, that's fine. But I think more than anything, we want to talk about how do we cope when we're anxious? You know, I'm always working with parents on talking to their kids about mental health. How do we, how do we deal with fear? How do we deal with worry? How do we do with, deal with people getting on each other's nerves? How do we deal with feeling isolated? All those types of things. And, and how can we be creative problem solvers as solution-focused therapists? We're always thinking about, you know, how do we get to a different end result? What could we do? Well, as we wrap up, I just want to say something I love that you just said is be solution focused. If we go into that mindset of one, this is temporary, two, we're creating memories, but we're also creating uh, a, a way 
that our children are going to end up parenting our grandkids. So what we model, they're going to implement later in their life. So whether they say something, they're watching. But I I liked what you said there. Uh, be be focused on the, the fun solutions of it all. They will look back on this time. They will remember this season of their life. They, they can't help. It was forced upon them. Will they remember getting in the kitchen and having fun and making cookies that you really never had time to make because you're constantly running around? Will they remember the time that you heated the swimming pool, Michelle, and the kids got to swim way earlier than normal? Those are all the things that are within our control. And you mentioned, you know, control is something, it's an elusive, it's, it's a fallacy that we really have control. But how we guide our children through this is very much within our power. Even if we ourselves are worried or afraid, and I know many, many people are financially impacted, and to be honest, they're not sure what's going to happen when the power bill comes due. Those are, those are real valid concerns. But you have to remember that if you are a person of faith, that God is, God's, God's got this. He's going to make a way. I, I can't tell you what that way will be because our own family is facing some of those situations and many families that we know. But you have to have that trust that in who your creator is, that he is sovereign, that this didn't catch him by surprise. Oops, guess what? America's dealing with coronavirus. I better get on it. No, he, he's already on it. Point your kids to the source of hope and help and trust and refuge. They will remember that, and they'll tuck that in those sweet little hearts, and they'll carry that with them into adulthood. Would you agree? Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing we can always do when we feel helpless is to pray because we cannot control the external us and what's going on around us. But we can, we have a lot of ability to join with God and have a lot of God control of our internal soul and our internal selves. Mm. And I think that's super important, especially for adolescents who feel like a lot of times really struggle with that internal locus of control if it's not been developed. When those hormones hit, it's super important. And that's honestly why Lynn and I wrote Loved and Cherished, because we want these girls, before they hit that middle school time, to really have a sense of love, um, of just that God loves them, that they're loved by their parents, that, that it's not based on performance, it's not based on people's approval or their appearance. And if they can hold on to that through middle school and come out on the other side, I mean, I know 30-year-old women who are still working on that, mm. you know, but if they can grab onto that truth, hold on to it to the other side, I think it's the same thing here. You know, we may not know whether disease is going to hit us, but we can be, we can love and be loved well. And there is something incredibly powerful in, in the midst of trauma and crisis that, that love really does cast out all fear. Oh, that's awesome. So on that note, tell us, please, how we can find you on the big old World Wide Web, uh, on your website, and through your social media. So counselorthoughts.com is my website, and you can find social media channels through there. Michelle Niedert, it's 
very unusual name. You won't find many of those around. And also, I have an iTunes podcast called Counselor Thoughts as well. So lots of ways to find me, and I'll definitely be around on those social media channels. I'm also going to be in a lot of different, if somebody in your audience is interested, I'm going to be in different Facebook live groups, kind of just answering parent questions. I'm probably going to open up nationally some Zoom parent consults, and even maybe I'm, I'm concerned about parents who have either somebody living, just an anyone adult who's got somebody who's struggling with mental illness living in their home, whether mm. it's one of their children or their spouse. I'm thinking about creating some online groups that we can do during this season of social distancing that mm-hmm. we can connect. And I can kind of facilitate that for them. And so I'm looking at kind of ramping all that up, you know, in the midst of my free time. Okay. (laughs) Well, I know you're busy. I know you're super busy. Thank you so much for taking time to join us at Equip to Be and just giving these parents a sense and, and some guidance and some scripts even to use with their children so that they can walk through this situation or this crisis and teach their kids how to handle crises that are going to come in their future because it's it's common to all of us so thank you so much michelle i'm so grateful that you are here today thanks for having me connie well that wraps up this episode of equipped to be if you enjoyed this show please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show and thank you again for joining me remember that we are equipped for every season of life